Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Welcome to The Last New Wave, the podcast that looks at the wide and varied landscape that is Australian cinema. On this episode, I interview early winter producer Trish Lake. Early Winter is a Australian-Canadian co-production, which is written and directed by Michael Rowe and stars uh, Suzanne Clement and Paul Doucette, who play married couple Maya and David. Early Winter is a film that is about relationships, about love, about the compromises that we make when we're in a relationship. As I've written in my review, which you can find on our website, abfilmreview.com, The theme of early winter is what the repercussion of love is within our lives, whether it's through the expected closeness and affection that being in a family should bring, or the fairytale notion of what love should be within a marriage. This is a powerful assessment of what it means to be loved and what it also means to love someone. As mentioned, this is written and directed by Michael Rowe, and he's currently going to be in Australia doing Q&A sessions on the Eastern States, and I highly recommend seeking out Early Winter and heading along to the the Q&A sessions, because it is a really powerful film, and, and I think that it would be even more impressive on the big screen. In my discussion with Trish Lake, we talk about the themes of the film, and we also talk about what inspires her as a producer. And also we look at the the documentary films that she's worked on as well. And we look at the landscape of Australian cinema and as to the reason why a film like Early Winter needed to be a co-production between Australia and Canada. And also how the process of a co-production actually works. Let's take a quick listen to the trailer and then we'll be back with the interview with Trish Lake. Merci. I'm joined by 
a producer. Usually it's a director that I'm speaking to, but this time I'm joined by producer Trish Lake, who has produced the the new film Early Winter. So welcome. Thanks for joining us on The Last New Wave. Great to be here. And just sort of give, uh, if you can, just tell the the listeners a little bit about yourself and and in particular this, this film Early Winter, which is a... Is yeah, it's a stunning film. Yeah. Well, I I'm a producer. I see the producing role as a very creative role. So it's always lovely when uh, programs like yours um, understand that that creativity rests as much um, in the producing mm. realm as um, you know the other aspects of filmmaking. I mean, I wouldn't dream to imagine that I could give you the lowdown of what's in that writer-director's head, Michael Rowe, because he's an amazing filmmaker and it's been a pleasure to work with him and understand his process. But um, from my background, I I guess I'm a producer who's – I primarily work in cinema. I work in documentary as well. So it's always that feature um, 90 to 100-minute long-form story that I'm looking for. And sometimes that's in um, a documentary. And and the most recent one that we did that screened in WA um, was Fractman. I was one of the producers on that show. And then for early winter, I share the producing credit with my uh, Canadian counterpart, Serge Noel, he and I together produced this film as an official co-production, Canada and Australia. So, yes, I, um, I, I love this film. I agree with you. I think it's a stunning film. And, um, and I'm hoping audiences in Australia will get to see it because it's very hard to get arthouse films. And this one is very much an arthouse film, mm. beautifully crafted, beautifully produced, I'd like to think and I think a lot of people agree with that yeah. and and something that has a very strong uh, resonating um, effect on audiences yeah I agree and and you know it is a very kind of timely film in a way because it's about relationships and it's about what happens you know after a relationship in a way because it, it does discuss you know when people grow old and separate and things like that and it's yeah, I was surprised with uh, with how how thematically rich it is. It's a really impressive film. Um, so, as you're saying, you know, this is a, a Canadian Australian co-production. Um, the director is usually based in Mexico. <laughs> you're based in in Queensland. How does a film like this get up on the ground? You know, it's a it is a international effort in a way, and that's really impressive. So, how do how do you go about that? I'm stunned. <laughs> Yeah, well, I love the idea, for example, just cutting to the editing process when Michael and I left Canada from the, um, you know, it was early winter, but, you know, the snow was already many um, metres deep in parts. And we end up in Brisbane underneath a tropical Queensland um, veranda where the editing gear is set up and, you know, the humidity of Brisbane in uh, January, um, a few days after leaving um, Canada in the snow. So that gives you a sense of the sort of logistical challenges of doing a co-production. So Michael, of course, is very much more at ease in the warmth of Mexico City, as I am in Brisbane. But, um, you know, the whole film took place 
and we shot it in Montreal in the um, wintertime. And so how that came about was Michael met this – is, this is just such a typical film industry story, really. <laughs> Michael met um, a producer, and that was Serge, at a film festival in Guadalajara um, uh, several years ago. And they hit it off over a few drinks because I think they were both there for other films – and they casually um, talked about the idea of making a film one day. So then that kind of moved along to Michael saying, well, you know, I've got some ideas. I've been working on something. Um, it's kind of set in Ballarat where I come from. But, you know, there are aspects of this this story that could actually, and, you know, I'm very interested in the idea of, of winter in your country and how it affects relationships. And, and I'm thinking this story could be moved and made into something that could work and really be interesting for the theme I'm interested in, which is isolation and displacement mm. and, and the way that uh, people are moving around the, the, the globe and living in very different places to where they originated. Cause that's Michael's story. And so eventually they worked out they couldn't finance that film unless they brought some Australian finance into the mix. And Michael, being an Australian, um, it was clear that, you know, an Australian producer might be able to help. So at another film festival, only a little while later, um, Serge, through um, connections that I had made in Canada when I was at another film festival, which was at the Atlantic <laughs> Film Festival, um, so three film festivals essentially brought us together. In Cannes, Serge said, um, you know, what do you think? I read the screenplay that night. I met up again the next day. And then the three of us formed a kind of, I suppose, working relationship, continued developing the film. Um, the three of us met for the very first time at another film festival in Rotterdam in 2013. And then we basically started um, getting traction for the film. And then over the next probably 18 months, we raised all of the finance, which was no mean feat for rather a, a kind of, um, I suppose, very particular piece of world cinema where no particular country, I suppose, um, felt obligated to give us all the money. So we found the way to do it. Yeah, and, you know, it is... a. Uh it is a very universal theme within this film. And I think the fact that, you know, you've got people from all around the world uh, coming together to make this makes it, you know, furthers that particular, that theme. Now, as you're saying, you usually do documentaries. So it's been a while since you've done a, a you know, a narrative film or a fiction film. Um, I think the, from what I can see, the last one was Getting Square, which was a while ago or... <laughs> exactly. Um, the one that was actually um, just as important to me in yep. my career, yep. and I think, you know, working with an equally talented director um, was Subdivision in oh, yeah. 2009, oh, yeah. which was a wonderful film. And, you know, um, highly overlooked film because uh, it just was at its, you know, in its time. Um, probably up against some, uh, you know, other bigger budget films. But Subdivision was directed by Sue Brooks. Mm. And um, yeah. and so that 
you know, I suppose that lines up with the idea that um, I think the next narrative fiction feature has been um, sh a short called Skin, which we did about two years ago now. So when I say we, I'm always talking about my collaborators. Um, but the fact is, yes, I churn out and I do churn out a lot of film, but the majority of it is um, is, is nonfiction um, and it's uh, – it's usually because I co-produce with other producers as well. Um, I think every, you know, three to five years there's a theatrical fiction film and that's about, given I'm probably um, working on at any one time several fiction features in development, that's probably not a bad – I think I would be a complete basket case if I was putting out <laughs> more than that along with the documentaries. But, yeah, um, Getting Square, great movie – um, Subdivision, a great movie. You can find it on iTunes by Sue Brooks, an amazing director um, and and wonderful talent. And, uh, yeah, so where I am right now is um, I look back at the last 10 years or so or probably in the case of Getting Square coming up to – I think we did that in 2002, so that's 14 years. Mm. And mm. – um, and it is about the development as much as it is about the production because, you know, producers spend a good luck, good amount of their time in development hell, I have to say. Well, the thing that I find interesting is that with Early Winter, it does kind of have a documentary feel to it because the, the way that it's shot is really impressive in the sense that it's mostly like – as far as I can tell, it's entirely static shot. So in the sense that the camera just sits there and observes. And I find that really interesting because um, going back to your documentaries in a way, as you're saying, Frackman and um, uh, was it the, the My American, season uh, as well? Yep. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they're, they're very much observational. That's, that's obviously the, yeah. the key point of a, of a documentary. Yeah. So was that what drew yeah. you to this story as well? Absolutely. Um, I think what really drew me to the story were the themes around the marriage, of course, and relationships, and also at the elderly um, who are very much um, – respected and revered within this film and the passing generation. Um, so the documentary style is something which, I mean, look, at the end of the day, we're always looking for an emotional truth in, in whatever we're seeking to kind of delve into, I suppose. And that was very clear from the screenplay but it wasn't really until um, I, I started truly understanding Michael's process, which is very much around the long take philosophy, that I realised how, um, how kind of close this model is to the documentary form that I very much admire as well. I mean, most of the documentaries I'm involved with are still very constructed, but they use observational documentary for a good part of the um, of the kind of truthfulness of the film. And so definitely with Michael's Early Winter, which is just stunning. Do you know there's only one edit within oh, really? the actual scenes? So if you imagine all the scenes in that film and that I'm not going to – spoil it by telling anyone what that cut is, but there's only one in the whole film. So the rest of the cuts are the beginning and the end of a scene or of a take. 
and it's highly, highly um, choreographed and, um, and, and the amazing thought and detail that Michael goes into with his crew mm. in order to achieve this incredible effect. But, um, yes, it's, uh, I mean, the actors, of course, uh, it, without amazing actors, this film could not have been made. And every one of the actors, they're just stellar. Yeah, I think, like, I, I was a fan of Suzanne Clement's work before. I, I think last year in Australia we got Mummy, and I think she was just fantastic in that. And I'm not, unfortunately, I'm not too familiar with, um, and I'm going to, unfortunately, butcher his name, I think, but uh, Max. Paul Doucet. Yeah. Oh, Max. <laughs> yeah. You mean the lead actor, Paul Doucet? Yeah, Paul Doucet as well. Yeah, Paul yeah. Doucet's good. Yeah. And, but the, the supporting actors as well, like the kids, are really good are too. Yeah, like yeah. I think that that's you know the thematically I think that it's really interesting with the way that the kids are represented in this film because uh, and again I don't want to spoil or anything but the the way that they're used here is really fascinating and I really enjoyed that aspect of it because I was I was you know going into it I was expecting a good you know a, sort of a relationship story but I didn't expect that the way that they were used in the film to further the the relationship was really impressive. If I, Again, I'm trying not to spoil here because it's a really impressive film. But yeah, the two lead actors are, are fantastic as well. And I, I think that they're, they're really brilliant. But how did you go about sort of casting them too? Because was there a decision to just stick with Canadian actors or was there an attempt to you know, get an international you know, aspect to it? Well, it was really, um, you know, this is where I'm at with development on a number of projects right now. It's really important in official co-production that you get the balance right in terms of the creative points because that helps you finance a film. But there's that tension between getting the best actors rather than just the ones that are convenient to be able to do the financing. And almost the stars have to and the planets have to align for this to occur. I mean, the stars literally in the case of named actors generally with financing. So we did have Melissa George very much involved with um, the financing of the film and she was very keen on playing the role of the uh, woman, the lead uh, woman um, who's played by Suzanne Clement. But what happened was we could not get the schedule together to suit um, the the dates that uh, Melissa was available for. And we had cast Paul because um, there'd been a series of auditions and, and he was a local Canadian actor and was not so important in terms of the international financing. We needed somebody else additional to Paul. And then when Melissa couldn't do the film because we just couldn't get the schedules to work, um, Paul then mentioned the film to Suzanne, who he had worked with on previous films. Mm. And when Suzanne saw the screenplay and met Michael, she just was so keen to do the film and we were so excited that she, who had this very highly kind of art house um, international acclaim to her credits, um, wanted to do the film, well, you know, Melissa understood because the timing wasn't right for her and so that's how it happened. And then from there, the two lead actors then brought in a, quite an assembly of 
wonderfully um, talented and highly regarded Canadian, French Canadian actors who wanted to come and play with in the in the playground with the rest of us. And that's how we ended up with such an esteemed class, uh, cast because all of those actors, even the ones that are just there for one scene, are actually quite prestigious names in Canada. And from an international point of view, Suzanne and Michael together in terms of their credits were able to get us over the line financially. And Paul, of course, is such a gem of an actor. Mm. And I think mm. that his whole profile has really, really after early winter um, even gone higher as a kind of the calibre of actor that he is um, and has brought to this film. So I think a lot of people will get to know Paul from this film who aren't already uh, across his kind of credits through Canada. I think internationally this film's been very, very good for Paul. Yeah, I think so. The obviously the main point, and we discussed it before we we started on the the interview. In a way, um, the one of the the points of this particular podcast is to enlighten audiences on Australian cinema. And you know, this is this is, I guess, in a way, it's not really a typical Australian film because, of course, as as we're saying, it's um, it's Canadian co-production. And for me, at least, I think it was really interesting because, as you're saying, uh, you know, with, with an actor like Paul, uh, you know, a lot of international audiences aren't aware of who he may be. So for me, it's a bit of a rabbit hole in, in the sense that, you know, I, I like watching these kinds of films because you, you then go, wow, he was really good in that. And then you go and try and seek out a, a, a lot more. So in a way, it's it's very helpful for Canadian cinema too because, you know, I sadly I couldn't really name all too many Canadian films, um, so it's nice to be able to watch a co-production and go, wow, this is this is something. And I think it goes back to that that international flavor here, which is really impressive. So, you know, hats off to that. It's it's really good, and you know, getting it out there in a way is I, I think is uh, it's exciting to be able to access this kind of cinema. Um, so, as you were saying, the the international sort of stretch of this film, how has that been um, in the sense that, you know, where you're just about to embark on some Q&A screenings in Australia and has it had a screening in uh, in Canada, I believe, already? And how yeah. did that go? Yeah, yeah look, it's um, it, there's two kind of territories that Canada is divided into in terms of um, cinema territories. So there's the French Canadian territory, and then there's the broader English speaking territory. Um, so we have two distributors in Canada there's Film Option, who are like Film Option. <laughs> Film Option, <laughs> that's my French. I have got to a little bit better at it since I've been uh, doing this film. Um, and uh, they look after um, one part and Mongrel another part. So between the two distributors, they're covering uh, Canada and the film is well and truly out in Canada. Um, in France, um, there is a Pyramid who are, you know, Pyramid, <laughs> um, a very, very um, highly regarded sales company and distributor based in Paris. So there have been um, – there's been a, a release in France. Uh, the film has also done festivals all over the world. I, I, there's quite a number of um, – I think it's 56 territories where Pyramid is um, – you know, representing the film. So um, it's, you know, it's here and there. It's an art house film. You're not going to hear 
you know, major kind of numbers in terms of, uh, you know, the way something that was kind of on paper at least more commercial. But the film is a success. The film is um, Australia and Canada making world cinema. And I'd like to think that, you know, because it's an Australian writer-director, the, the point of view and the way this kind of story unfolds is very much coming from an Australian perspective. And sure, it's a collaboration with a lot of um, French Canadians, and so it should be, because they've put up a significant amount of the money as well as Australia has. But that's how co-production works. And maybe for our next film, it will be in reverse where we'd have, say, a, a Canadian editor and all of the post-production done out of Canada, but um, potentially with a Canadian director or an Australian director, um, film in Australia with Australian actors. And if we can choose something as kind of universal as Early Winter, then there is that world cinema appeal, which I think Australia... You know, in a sense, we've had the Australia brand of films. And, you know, that is a wonderful brand. I'm really fortunate. My previous two films, Getting Square and Subdivision, very much fit the Australian brand of movies. But then there's this other new movie that is coming out of Australia, and there's been plenty of them. You know, The Rocket is another one. And, um, you know, there's um, lots of Australian um, Australians making films that are rooted in experiences that are coming from all of the various countries that have populated Australia. And, and you know, I think we're going to see more with China. I'm think, you know, I've got two um, in development now, one with New Zealand, which is ridiculous that we haven't done more films with New Zealand. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Another one with France. But I think, and certainly um, China is, and, and other parts of Asia are places where I want to be looking for stories that resonate not just with Australian audiences through experience, but also with audiences elsewhere that tell a story about things that Australians are caring about. It doesn't matter whether we see dinky-dye Aussies on the screen. If Australian know-how and in- ingenuity and 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 themes are represented in stories that can come from anywhere, but Australians play a major role in making those stories, then I think that's a wonderful way for us to counter the very much one-dimension American view that comes from Hollywood. You know, not the independent American view, which is, I think, very much the type of film I'm talking about now. But there are, you know, there's another point of view that is so kind of dominating our screens, which is kind of a kind of simplistic Western view of the world. And if we don't counter that view, then we're in danger of just being kind of, you know, dumbed down in terms of the sort of cinema that we're able to find in our cinemas. I agree. And, you know, the what I find really interesting as well is, as you mentioned, films like The Rocket and then you've got Laura as well. And, you know, there's a Laura. lot of... Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of co-production work, which I, I think is fantastic because, you know, Australian cinema is, unfortunately, Australian audiences don't go along and see it too often. And that's that's sad because we create some really fantastic stuff. So I like the fact that, you know, there, there are people like yourself going out and co-producing films 
you know, with, with different countries and creating films that don't necessarily feel like they're Australian films, but they do have an Australian voice and they do deal with universal things. So that's, that's fantastic because, you know, it just increases our pool in a way. And as you're saying, you know, I'm excited to see what co-producing stuff we can do with uh, China because the film industry there is just is going through the roof. It's so it'd be very exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled for that. Yeah. I've actually got a project currently in development where, you know, we have a Chinese partner. Um, and again, it's, it's a kind of tricky world to be doing these co-productions, particularly with countries like China, where um, they're fighting the same battles around, you know, the dominance of the very big dumbed-down film and then the sort of more clever independent art house film. So, you know, I feel like we, we've been fortunate in Australia to have a very strong independent, um, you know, way of making films. And so whatever we can bring to that experience for other filmmakers like ourselves in places like China and then support that and then help that process rather than, you know, have that sort of dominating um, top-down approach where um, there's censorship involved and all of the sort of, as I say, um, compromised filmmaking, which, you know, as you can see from early winter, I don't want to make films that are compromised. You can see from Fragman, mm. we had to go on an amazing journey to make sure we had the independent voice to do that film. Film is about independent voices rather than, you know, trying to toe a line and do things that are completely safe and balanced. They need to be almost unbalanced for us to take notice of them, to be challenged by them, to be provoked by them. And I think early winter is that sort of film. But at the end of the day, it's very kind of close to home as well because I've had a broken marriage. I know, you know, relationships are not easy. And there's a big takeaway from this film about, you know, where do you go? How far do you hold the line in terms of your children and in terms of, doing the right thing and where is that spot where you have to kind of accept or either accept what you have and make the most of it or accept that it's never going to be what you really want and do something about it. And I think that's many, many relationships, certainly in Australia. It's a universal story. Oh, it definitely is. I, I agree. Um, now, before we, we wrap up, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about your, the documentaries that you have produced because they are there's some some of the best that Australia has done you know Frackman's a wonderful film and uh, most importantly for me at least uh, The Burning Season which you know is, it came out in 2008 I think is just a stunning film it's a very difficult film to watch um, but it's a it's a very powerful film so for your documentaries how do you you know they they do seem very personal in a way that they are dealing with major issues how do you decide that yes, this is a film that I want to get behind for the documentary specifically. Yeah, um, it's a really interesting mix of. Um, look, I'm a highly politicised um, person. I, you know, I, I I'm very uh, interested in in the events that are shaping us and our world, and I get very uh, strongly uh, committed to um, to you know, issues that I believe um, we as filmmakers can actually shine a light on. 
Um, in the case of the burning season, I had a very strong collaborator who brought the project to me, and that was Kathy Henkel, who now lives in WA. Um, but it was because I had as much interest and passion around the idea of climate change, and particularly around the the burning that happens in um, in Southeast Asia, and, and particularly around uh, Malaysia and um, uh, Indonesia every year. And when Kathy and I uh, first heard the sort of detail of how that film could have been told through a particular character we both met, Dorji's son, we then knew we had what it took to make a, a, a feature, you know, because every film can, every story can be done in different ways. But in terms of the space where I like to work, which is giving people a lot of thought and opportunity to think deeply and, and be moved, that's that 90 to 100 minute um, long form, that, that kind of period of time where you can actually disappear into a film. Mm. And so yeah. even though climate change was a big issue for me and for Kathy and for all of us, it wasn't until the way that we could structure a film around a character such as Dorji's son, who was the lead character in that film, it wasn't until he presented to us that we both knew that we found the way to do the film in the way we wanted to do it. So it was an evolution, I suppose, and that's pretty much occurred with many of the films. Either I've been thinking, like Frackman, I was thinking about how Queensland had embraced this kind of pretty terrible, um, you know, way of finding um, energy mm. without truly thinking through the consequences and so it wasn't until Dane Pratsky presented to me in the form of some um, work that he'd been doing with uh, uh, Richard Todd another wonderful director who comes from WA that I thought now this is something that I can work with and so basically yes I have the ideas in terms of of what moves me and concerns me but it's when something presents itself to me as an opportunity that I go, well, that's the way I can contribute with that film. Yeah, and, you know, specifically talking about those two films, I, I thank you for, for producing because they are fantastic films and they're very powerful films that deal with issues that, you know, me as people who have listened to the podcast and stuff, I'm very much a – I lean heavily into my politics as well. <laughs> but I – we all have to <laughs> exactly so you know and especially as you're saying with a film like Frackman, the stuff that's going on in in not just queensland but it's you know stretching across australia and and the rest of the world as well uh, i think it's a really powerful documentary for that um one last thing that i want to say as well is i have to thank you as well for, for as you're saying you've mentioned a couple of times you know the films that you you make are 90 to 100 minutes long and I have nothing against long form cinema, like really, really long two hour plus cinema. But I think one of the things that I, I find really impressive with the films that you produced is that they tell really impactful stories in an hour and a half. And that's, that's not an easy thing to do. So I, I applaud you for that because it's, it's great to be able to, to see that and to see films that, that, you know, tell its story in a economical way. So it's really impressive. Yeah. Well, I started my work, in fact, when I lived in Perth many years ago, I was a, 
uh, an ABC reporter and producer um, working for, you know, the news and working for Weekend Magazine, a show that maybe some of your very, mm. very, very elderly <laughs> listeners might have once seen. And so, you know, 90 to 100 minutes is like having a novel. It's like having a, you know, war and peace type of um, narrative compared to the, you know, 60-second to two-minute news items that I used to do and I had to, you know, turn out, churn out when I was a young television um, filmmaker. So um, I guess it just comes down to what is the story and what's the best way of telling it. And it has to be an amazing story. It has to have a narrative that actually is so compelling you can't take your eyes away. It has to feel so immersive that you are actually with that, um, whether it's the protagonist or whether it's the issue or whatever it is that's in front of you, that you actually feel it. And it has to be surprising so that you go, oh, my God, I never knew that. Oh, 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 yeah, that's right. I know that. I've experienced that. Whatever it is. It has to do all of those things and by the end of the 90 minutes to 100 minutes, you have to feel either kind of so, in the case of Frackman, so kind of motivated that you want to go out and do something or in the case of early winter, it makes you go, wow, yeah, now I realise what's been happening. Yes, now I know what I've got to do. So they're the things that I think in that period of time, them that's a time that can change your life. You know, yeah. <laughs> you can go to cinema and then come out of it. I mean, that's happened to me all my life. I've found things in the cinema, things that really, really important that people have been reaching out and trying to tell me, and I've understood it in that period of time. And so it's always been, for me, something that I want to use to do the same for others. Well, I, I applaud you for it. I, I'm really, really grateful for that because it's nice to see that, you know, these kinds of films are being produced, not just in the world, but in Australia. It's, it makes you feel proud in a way. <laughs> so that's well, great. I'm proud of the film and I'm really glad that you think so. So I think the most important thing is, you know, for those people who are interested in intelligent, provocative, and, you know, it's challenging, this um, this film, for them to go and see it, um, you know, it's always the same thing in terms of cinema. If you don't actually use it, we're going to lose it. So um, independent film, it's not just something that you should watch on um, VOD or on any other screen because I see film many, many different ways. But when a film that you want to see is in the cinema, go see it in the cinema. Exactly. I think that's that's the best way of ending our discussion here. I think that there's no better way saying, you know, yes, independent cinema, go and see it in the cinema. That's, that's exactly right. Uh, so thank you so much, Trisha Lake. I, I really appreciate the, the discussion here. It's, it's been fantastic. And, you know, I'll, I'll put the links as to where people can find early winter screening uh, in the Eastern States. At the moment, well, be, when this gets released, it will be screening there. So please... Uh, head along and go and support the Australian cinema. Definitely. And hopefully we'll get some screenings in WA. And hopefully once people hear this, they'll be asking to see it in WA. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> okay, Thank you so much. You. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Last New Wave. For more information about where you can seek out those screenings of early winter in the Eastern States, 
head to filminc.com.au forward slash 2016 forward slash early dash winter. I'll put the link in the no- in the show notes, but essentially they'll be hitting cinemas in the eastern states from October 4th through to October 10th. Usually I would ask guests what Australian film they recommend to seek out, but foolish me, I forgot to ask Trish which Australian film she would recommend to seek out. So with that in mind, I highly recommend, obviously, uh, tracking down early winter. Otherwise, seek out the documentaries The Burning Season and Frackman, which I believe should be on streaming services in Australia. If not, head over to theburningseasonmovie.com for more information there and frackmanthemovie.com as well to find out more information about that film. You can hear more of us on abfilmreview.com where you can find the main show that Burnett and I do, uh, which we review films every week or so. Uh, so head over there and, and you can listen to us there and of course you can find previous episodes of the last new wave as well make sure to share the episode as well and also if you can leave a review on itunes would be great just as that helps expose the show to more people so keep watching australian cinema and we'll see you on the next episode of the last new wave Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to oscastnetwork.com for details.